Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is sponsored by BT, because BT means business. BT knows that businesses come in many shapes, sizes and guises, from the person just starting out at their kitchen table to the biggest employer, which is why no matter what line of work you're in, They've got your back to help you succeed and do what you do best. No doubt connectivity is a must in Westminster, and it certainly helped us to get this episode created and distributed to you listening right now. BT already connects more than 1 million businesses and public sector organisations, offering secure and reliable connectivity. Nearly three quarters of people running a business or side hustle feel they couldn't do so without reliable broadband and mobile connectivity. That's why having connectivity you can count on is a must for business, whether it be facilitating multiple devices being connected at once or making team calls or guest wi-fi access for customers bt's connectivity helps keep you and your customers happy whatever your business bt's got your back search bt's got your back hello and welcome to the red box politics podcast in the times i'm matt chorley what does the future look like how does life outside the lockdown evolve. Well, on today's episode, we're going to speak to a man from the future, or or at least our future. He's actually a man in Venice, which is an impossibly glamorous location, probably the most glamorous that anyone's ever appeared on the podcast from. Tom Kington, Italy correspondent of The Times. Welcome to the podcast. Tell us what you could see right now in Venice. Well, I've just got off the train, and so I'm standing outside the station, and there's a bit of traffic on, on the canal, not much, there's a, a, a water bus going past right now. It's, I think, almost entirely empty. And the, the piazza here is, is also very kind of sparsely populated, which is pretty incredible because I'm used to getting off the train here and finding mobs of tourists, uh, you know, groups led by people uh, holding flags in the air, uh, and just, just, just gangs of, of Chinese tourists, all with headphones in so they can they can understand where they are. This is not Rome, this is this is this is not Florence, this is Venice. I'm I'm gonna plunge into the town in a minute because I'm gonna go and meet Venetians to talk about how they have experienced lockdown. And I think it's gonna be a fairly uh, extraordinary experience just because those those alleyways which are usually just a river of people will will be will be empty. Venice has come out of its lockdown but the tourists haven't come back yet and given that there are on, on, on any normal day, as many tourists here as residents. That's, that's making all the difference. Now, anyone who's ever been to Venice will know just how busy it is, particularly <laughs> that bit when you step off the, the train and just get met by hordes of people. How are Venetians feeling about this? Because obviously for some time now, they've been complaining about having too many tourists, about having, you know, the big cruise ships and the uh, causing problems and the streets overrun with people. Are they now having a rethink now they've got what they wanted? Yeah, I mean, this is this is possibly a case of uh, be careful, be careful what you wish for. And, and that's what I'm here to find out. 
And um, I've already heard from people I've spoken to on, on the phone that, that um, it was great, but it was also ghostly. And perhaps this, this should have happened a while ago, because in the meantime, the number of Venetians um, has just really been reducing every year. I think it's about a thousand a year that the population drops by. They're now down to 53,000 from something like 150,000 in the last century. So it was, it was great to see, people are saying, but it's also reminded them this, is, this has gone on too long and, and maybe it'd be nice to have a few tourists back. Not all of them, but a few. So just uh, let's talk about the lockdown then. Obviously in the UK, we're at the very early stages of, of easing, people can go do a bit of exercise if they want to, is one of the main differences. Where are we? Because obviously Italy went to the lockdown before the UK. It was Italy going into lockdown, one of the first major economies to do that, that piled pressure on the UK to follow suit. What can you do and what can't you do in Italy now? As of Monday... Pretty much all, all the restrictions were dropped. Italians still cannot uh, easily travel from one region to another. But apart from that, they're, they're back to work. Um, you, can, you can go where you want within your region. You can go to your second home. You can go to uh, all the shops which uh, opened on Monday. Up until then, it just been the food shops. Um, and I think crucially, you don't have to um, fill in a form every time you leave your house, explaining where you're going and why. And those forms were being checked by police um, uh, patrols, which, which uh, have vanished. So that's really made a big difference. It's, it's, uh, it's spurred many Italians, particularly young Italians, to, to go a bit nuts. And um, there have been wor <laughs> worrying, worrying scenes of uh, crowded piazzas in, in Rome and um, in Milan and in, in Bologna and in, uh, in Palermo as well. Um, kids just coming out and, and having, a, having a drink and, and celebrating. That has sent mayors and regional governors into a bit of a panic. So, for example, the governor of Veneto, uh, Lucas Iyer, was saying the other day, right, if this, if this carries on, I'm going to just shut everything down again because we cannot risk a second wave. Because even though the, the, the contagion spread here is really slowed, we're still having around 100 people dying every day and the number of new infections is still quite worrying particularly in places like uh, Lombardy in the north of Italy which is which is where the whole thing kicked off and 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 still still there's there's people being infected every day so um, still quite a lot of caution but also quite a lot of uh, sort of um, enthusiasm amongst Italians just to get the hell out of their homes and um, go and have a go and have a tipple in the piazza the last time we spoke on the podcast about, uh, I think, going into the lockdown, you um, you mentioned that as well as this issue about having to fill in the forms, people could only really go out if they'd got a dog, and there was a big problem with dogs mess everywhere. Has there, has there been any evidence that that's changing of people now clearing up after their dogs? I just, well, I just don't see see the dogs anymore. Um, <laughs> I, I think they've been parked back at home. People have no need for them anymore, so uh, they're not getting as many, as many walks as they used to, and, uh, and, and, and hence, less crap on the streets. 
Um, let's talk about the, the politics of all of this, because obviously there's been a big debate in the UK about why are we first or second to Italy in terms of the number of deaths, which strike me as a slightly, you know, pointless uh, discussion. You know, the bigger discussion should really be why is Britain not doing as well as Germany, perhaps, or whatever. One of the things that struck me is if you look at some of the polling, um, support for uh, the government in Italy and the government's handling of it is is holding up. 70% in the most recent polls said the government was handling it well. In the UK, uh, having been at about 70% uh, a fortnight or so ago, uh, or a month ago, it's now down below half. It's about 46% of people saying uh, that the UK government is handling it well, despite the fact that in terms of you know overall population and uh, number of deaths, we're pretty comparable. What, why is it, do you think, that, that people in Italy are, are keeping faith with the government? I, I don't think that's totally the case. I, I've seen um, reports that the support might be beginning to slip, but definitely it's held up longer uh, than in the UK. And that's perhaps just because the Italian government did react quickly. And uh, Italians approve of the fact that, um, that, that, that there was quite, quite, quite a kind of rigorous approach. You know, we didn't have that dithering that you had in the UK. Prime Minister Conte was... Uh, was was quite strict and uh, he did quite well by um, coming out and speaking on, on Facebook lives quite often. Uh, Conte um, was very good at saying, oh, we're going we're gonna to free up millions of euros um, to tide you over in furlough payments and tax credits and whatnot. And it just didn't come. It was, it was sluggish. It was a case of Italian bureaucracy uh, living up to its usual terrible standards. And that, I think, is, is now going to bite into the government's support because people are emerging from lockdown and saying, I haven't had a check yet. Um, uh, I really am running out of money now. I need to eat. Where's my money? And um, these are people who uh, lost their revenue during lockdown because they couldn't, they couldn't work. Now they're trying to reopen. And what they're going to find is that there's no one coming into their shop. I was talking to restaurateurs in Rome this week and they're all busy setting up their tables and their social distancing rules and putting their stripes on the floor to uh, avoid people getting too close to each other, putting up the, the, the sanitizer dispensers and offering out the mask. And no one was showing up. So what they were saying is, well, I'm going to give it a go. And if after three or four weeks, no one is coming to eat, then I'm going to have to shut down again. And I worry that a lot of these people, if they do that, they'll never reopen again. So, therefore, the government is going to really be under pressure now to come good on these, these promises. And uh, the danger is that uh, Prime Minister Conte will have, will have won the war and lost the peace. And that's obviously a, something that I think world leaders around the world are concerned about. How, how, given that when this government was formed and it was described as the first all-populist government, uh, the... Um, alliance between the Five Star Movement and the League. How how have they coped with, you know, because there's one thing doing essentially populist business, you know, that this 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 is probably the, the biggest challenge that any government could possibly face, bar a war. Is there a feeling that these um, politicians seen before as sort of more outsiders from the system that have have coped with the pressure of uh, of dealing with the virus outbreak? Well, don't forget that the original combination of the, the League and Five Star fell apart um, last year. Matteo Salvini, the, the leader of the League, stormed out of government and Five Star replaced him 
with the very much more mainstream centre-left Democratic Party. So we've now got a kind of hybrid mix of a traditional party and Five Star, who, who were the original anti-establishment party. Um, the, the public have got behind them. Um, they, haven't, they haven't made a huge mess so far. Salvini has been on the sidelines losing support because in this moment of unity, he, he is a very much kind of them and us um, divisive politician. He, he likes to sort of create enemies to turn people against each other. And that, that kind of narrative hasn't worked. But going back to what I was saying about the, the, the pending recession, um, if things go really badly for this government and people are on the streets and there's, there's protests, I think Salvini's ready to pounce. When are the next elections due? But when the uh, the Italian public get to sort of deliver their verdict on the government's handling of this, this this government's mandate uh, runs out in two thousand twenty three. That doesn't mean there'll be an election sooner if this coalition falls to pieces or if if one chunk of it walk, walks out. Um, there's there's a risk that Matteo Renzi, the former prime minister, who has a a small party now, which is which is part of the coalition, small but but crucial. He's always um, rattling saber and, and, and threatening to walk out. So anything could happen. Um, before then, in e- any case, we're going to have um, a series of uh, local and regional elections coming up uh, later on this year, which which had been postponed from during the lockdown, and and that also may give give the government a shove either either way because uh, we may see. Salvini scoring local victories again, which suggests that his, his support is, is gathering, gathering steam and, and he's, he's, he's going to be, if, that, if that's the case, he'll, he'll be pushing hard for, for an early national election. OK, in a sec, I want to talk to you about um, the, the real life costs that uh, Italians are currently facing, including the extraordinary uh, rise in the price of a cup of coffee. We'll be back after this short break. 
no one should ever do. It's try and come between an Italian and their espresso, or at least not making it more expensive. Explain what's happened to the price of coffee as a result of the lockdown. Well, um, bars were able to sell takeaway coffees um, from May the 4th. So you could you could walk up to the to the entrance to, to, to a cafe and they'd, they'd hand you a coffee in a, in a, in a plastic cup, um, which you'd then walk off and, and drink in an alleyway without um, trying to see that, trying to show that you'd take, taken your mask off. Then on Monday, uh, cafes opened properly and you could walk in and stand at the counter and order your espresso in a, in a white porcelain cup, which is, which is a, a daily ritual for many Italians. And um, the price of that cup of coffee is, is quite a sensitive issue in Italy. It's, uh, it's, it's not fixed by the government, um, but it's, it's, it's as if it were. So when cafes occasionally try and hike the price, there's, there's great national debate and, and lots of articles in the newspapers. So that's, that's the, the, the background to Monday when Italians arrived at their, their cafes, stood at the bar, ordered their espresso and found that the price had gone up uh, quite dramatically. So, for example, in Rome, where in the center of Rome, where, where an espresso will cost you around a euro and ten cents, uh, some places had gone up to 150. In the outskirts of Rome, um, it had gone up from about 90 uh, cents uh, to perhaps a, a euro ten. So, you know, these are not huge increases, but there were enough to really spark outrage. And uh, um, the, bar, the, the cafe owners, of course, said, look, uh, we've been shut for two months. We've, we've got to uh, um, get back some, some of our revenue. Plus, we can only let a few people in at a time now to have their coffee, so we're going to be selling less coffee. Uh, I was talking yesterday to a consumer rights group here who was saying, well, we think that cafes have had enough subsidies from the government to cover those kind of costs and we, they shouldn't be passing the costs on to Italians. These are Italians, of course, who are also uh, going now uh, en masse to their barbershops and hairdressers and finding that prices have increased there too. Um, and uh, during lockdown, prices have gone up in, for food in supermarkets as well. So you know, gathering a sense of, of disquiet and, and anger here, which again also is going to be something that will play in to possible uh, growing disapproval of this government. And presumably, given the economic hit from the lockdown measures and the fact that some businesses won't won't survive that, there'll be people, it's a sort of double whammy. People might have less money in their pocket and when they do go out to spend it, it's not going to go as far. Right. Um, the, the consumer rights group yesterday, they, they'd done a miraculous calculation and, and they'd figured out that... Uh, Every Italian family was going to be something like 526 euros worse off a year due to the rise in the price of coffee. So I, I, I don't know what they based that on. Maybe they, they figured out how much espressos they slug back every day or something. But <laughs> it, was, it was a very exact number. And certainly, I think that um, you know, there's, there's going to be less money to spend and it's, going to, it's not going to go as far. There is a flip side to this, which is that um, a number of people have been just sat at home c continuing to work um, from, from their computers and spending no money. So I think that there's also going to be uh, quite a big spending binge going on. I think one, one of the, uh, the crowds that was spotted this week in Italy was, uh, apart from in the piazzas, people having Prosecco, it was an enormous crowd outside Ikea. 
So everyone, uh, <laughs> everyone queuing up to get that sofa they'd been dreaming of for two months. And I, I can see that happening. I, I, think, I think that people are going to want to go out and buy clothes. They're going to want to go out and uh, book a holiday and, and, if, and, and, and do all the things they couldn't do for two months. And the other thing that uh, is incredibly Italian response to this is the number of uh, shops and businesses forced to seek help from mafia-linked loan sharks, which you also wrote about for the Times. Mm. Um, that's that's a growing alarm too this week um, because pe- people um, suddenly need a, a huge cash injection, and unfortunately in Italy, loan sharking is a big business. Um, it uh, traditionally people have gone to loan sharks uh, when yeah when the businesses are in trouble or or when they want to um, perhaps pay for a child's wedding which are often very lavish affairs here and uh, and the loan sharks are ready and waiting they've had little business over the last two months um, because they couldn't couldn't leave home but now now they're out and uh, and and on the phone offering people very handy loans particularly people who perhaps have just been turned down by their banks. Of course, this leads to huge interest payments, possible to pay back, and often uh, the loan shark has, actually isn't interested in, in getting a payback. He, he, he wants your business, so he, he will be backed perhaps by the local mafia clan, and they're looking to just um, take over businesses, uh, clean, healthy businesses, so they can then use them for money laundering. Um, and the mafia right now has a lot of liquidity, um, they've got they've got all their pots of cash from drug dealing, and uh, all their other enterprises, and um, and this is a great moment to invest. So, yeah, it's 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 something that uh, the police and the government are, are really looking out for at the moment, and uh, they're just warning people: don't do it. Think think hard first, because it's a it's a you know, it's a it's a one way ticket to 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 hell really. And so anyone listening to this podcast in the UK and is thinking, oh, I remember Rome, I remember Venice, I wonder if we'll ever get back there again. What's the message from Italy? Are foreign tourists yet welcome? I mean, clearly the UK government is still advising against uh, foreign travel, but uh, do they want British tourists back? They do. Um, as of June the 3rd, there, there will be no need to, to quarantine to self-isolate if you arrive in Italy from another country. That's, that's been the case up until now. Um, so government ministers have been coming out this week saying, yeah, we want you to come back. 13% of Italy's GDP is based on tourism. And so it really is, 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 is urgent that uh, tourists are, are lured back to Italy. Um, from where I'm standing, the, the problem might be in the UK because it seems to be talk of people coming into the UK having to self-isolate for two weeks. So would that apply to British tourists who go to Italy and then return to the UK? Uh, it, it may be that the whole thing is the whole Italian uh, willingness to, to bring Brits over is skewered by, by the British government policy in the meantime. Yeah, when your holiday ends up requiring four weeks of uh, leave, because you have two weeks in Italy, then two weeks at home recovering from your two weeks in Italy. Uh, well, listen, I don't want to keep you from um, enjoying uh, Empty Venice. How, how does it work? Um, what on earth do you put a gondola down as when you're claiming your expenses? You... <laughs> <laughs> I, um, 
I may I may get taken out for free on a on a rowing boat by a Venetian later on today. So uh, no no need to put in an expense for that. But I think the gondolas aren't working anyway because uh, um, they 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 realise that with no tourists it's it's not it's not worth uh, putting out. And in fact, I'm I'm looking at a whole line of park gondolas right now. No no men in stripy t-shirts in sight. So they 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 they're clearly um, at home with their feet up for the for the time being. I can't believe it. So, so normal Venetians don't travel around by gondola. It's just tourists. I had no idea. You've shattered my whole, <laughs> my whole view of what it was like in uh, in Venice. Um, Tom Kington, enjoy the sunshine. Um, I, I hope that you don't get ripped off for your coffee, and just enjoy the fact that Venice is. You've got Venice to yourself, because uh, I suspect that won't last forever. Well, I'm going to put the phone down, put my mask back on, and go and find out what's going on. <laughs> Terrific. Tom Kington in Venice. Thanks very much. And if you want to find out how he gets on speaking to Venetians about how they hope to coax tourists back to the canals, you can read all about it in The Times on Saturday. So pick up a paper or log on to thetimes.co.uk. Uh, now, just before we go, I just want to say a massive thank you to all of you who posted reviews on Apple in the last few days. Uh, some of them are lovely. High quality imbalance, says one. Uh, biased, uh, says another. Um, some people accusing us of being uh, political activists. Others thanking us for non-partisan point scoring. So make of that what you will. We'll obviously just be reading the nice ones uh, and ignoring the negative ones. But if you've got anything you want to add about the podcast or stuff that you'd like us to cover, uh, then post it on Apple and we will definitely see it and we'll try to feed that into future episodes make sure while you're there you subscribe to the podcast you don't miss any future episodes whether you listen on apple acast spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from and to keep up to date with news on times radio my show on times radio and what it will mean for the podcast then you can follow me on twitter at matt jolly or follow times radio at times radio where you can also find it on instagram uh, but for now my thanks to tom who's already gone off to enjoy the sunshine for me matt jolly it's goodbye.